what's better than this? Guys, me and dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast, presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino, Kyle Krabs, and Chris Schubert from the Draft Network. And we are your hosts here on this Monday episode of the show. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Kyle, happy Monday to you. Hello. Happy Monday. Hope you enjoyed your weekend. We didn't talk too much, so I don't know what, what's going on in life. Anything? Um, I had the worst crick in my neck of all time on Saturday. Saturday was gone for me. Stayed mm. in bed all day. Couldn't turn my head. Baby went to the grandparents like I was worthless to the world. So. Getting old sucks, huh? It does, man. It does. <laughs> but uh, how about you? How was your weekend, sir? It was fine. You know, we're sitting here on Sunday night recording. I got a nice red poured. Enjoy I was wondering life. if that was bourbon or, or, no, or red wine. No, 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 red wine tonight. Something a little okay. classy. Wow. For sophisticated conversation around these three high-class edge rushers. Great um, segue. Yeah, from, from Miami. They the have Miami Hurricanes. Hurricanes, yeah. So that's what we're doing today. We're talking about these three Miami defensive ends, Jalen Phillips, Quincy Roche, and Gregory Rousseau. Now, unfortunately, we didn't get a chance to see them all at the same time because Roche just kind of transferred in this year. Rousseau opts out. So you're left with Phillips and Roche, no Rousseau, but uh, three really different players that are all good prospects in their own right. So we are going to break them down from all the angles here today on the podcast. We were robbed. Yeah. Imagine these three on the field at the same time. I know why you're, well, I know why you think we're robbed the most. Obviously you want to see them all three at the same time, but the alignments that I think they could have taken advantage yes. of with Rousseau to play him more on the inside. Yes. Would have been there for him. Do you want, let's start with, want to start with Rousseau? Yeah. I think he's the most complex evaluation yeah. of the three uh, because he's, you watched him in 2019, right? He was just a pup. He, he that proverbial puppy with paws too bent, too big, and and <laughs> limbs too long for his body. Like that was kind of the vibe you got at times from Gregory Rousseau. And it's like, man, like if he fills out and grows into his frame a little bit more and stacks on, like he could be powerfully, powerfully wound as a football player. And and he won more with quickness and slashing style and length. And, and that's where you saw him shine in 2019, but I, I don't think that's his final form. And I think that's why I alluded to him being more of a complex evaluation, Joe, because I think the player that he was and, and the usage that he had in certain cases in 2019 is not the way he's going to be asked to play once he gets to the NFL. Which is really fascinating when you consider this is a high school wide receiver slash right. safety to a guy that winds up going to Miami and had unbelievable production in 2019. And I think we were all pretty excited. You saw mock drafts. You couldn't find a mock draft without this guy in the top, top 10. 10. Yep. And then the further we distance ourselves from him playing football games, the further it seems like he gets down the board. Sometimes you don't even see him in the first round. So, um, guilty. Yeah. Well, I just, I just, I mock six. O came out today on the track network.com. No, no Gregor. So in the first, wow. Round. Okay. I mean, I ended up having like Quiddy pay and, and Jalen Phillips there on the board and they were both after 25. It's just kind of the way oh, the board good fell value, huh? 
Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you think about Tennessee signing. Yeah. Pre. Yep. Some of those edge teams, uh, the Raiders signing Yannick Ngakwe, some of those teams in that middle tier that like would have been really good fits, like they have other pressing needs and they sign free agents. So yeah, they, they tumbled a little bit. So when I watched Rousseau in 2019, 6'5", is what he's listed at. I saw a player with good length, a lot of stunt game there in Miami, slashing gaps, getting into the backfield and making a lot of plays where you don't necessarily come away with this idea that he did a great job of beating the block. And, and that's okay. Like Production is production. I like guys that can – get through gaps and guys that can use their extension skills and disengage and and finish. But as far as, you know, when you're looking for, all right, this guy can stack shed, you know, show a good variety of hand usage and finish. Like he didn't necessarily find it that way. And I think it's fair to, whether you're super high on Rousseau or you're lukewarm on him, I think it's fair to say that from a technique perspective, there's, there's a ways to go here. And, And what complicates the evaluation is we didn't see him play football in 2020. And as we've talked about with a lot of these guys that had a really good 2019, they wind up opting out, they declare for the draft. I have no choice, and at least for me, this is how I'm taking it. I have no choice but to leave him how I found him. You know, I, I don't know how much better Russo got in 2020 because I didn't watch him play football. We don't even know what weight he is. And, Correct. And I, I, I do not want him playing in the 260s. And that's what – this is uh, – build off of that because this is where I think it gets interesting with Russo. So, for me, he's somewhere on this lexicon of, like, your 6'6", 280-pound defensive lineman, like, maybe the floor is Margus Hunt. You remember Margus Hunt got drafted fringe top 50. Uh, he was, like, 6'7". When he came through the combine, he was like 275, but he ran like 4.6 flat and um, had really good testing numbers effectively across the board, and he was raw coming out. Uh, So that's kind of like the low end of what I see with Gregory Rousseau, but the potential high end is if he stacks up is you can get into like Calais Campbell territory as far as like how powerful he can be and how much room I think he has to stack on and how long he is and, and just how twitched he is. So that's kind of like that mold of a player is where I want to see Gregory Russo work at the next level, because I think that's where you can really take advantage of the linear explosiveness and the length and the power and the versatility to line up down in the B gap or an A gap on passing situations versus just being a guy who's going to play at 260 and going to have to bend off the edge because I don't think that really plays well to his strengths. Right, kind of high-hipped. Yeah. Uh, it's just it's going to be hard He's for him to He's never going to win with, right. with, with dipping the inside shoulder and reducing surface area and creating a high amount of ankle flexion to turn around the edge. Right, so don't DK Metcalf him, right? Like, don't – because he doesn't rush the passer like Yannick Ngakwe or like Daniel Hunter. That doesn't mean that there's not effective ways – that he can get home. And I, and I do agree with you that it moved the needle when you suggested that in the scouting medium or, or whenever we had this conversation the first time, when you said, man, if you get him up to 280 and, and use him differently, you know, I got a little bit more wide-eyed. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm there. He's still got to get stronger. We got to put some weight on him. Like, it's got to happen. He's got to learn to play the position at that weight, which, 
He's already learning to play the position to begin with. So there's some layers to this. Right. But I get more excited when you talk about a 280-pound Gregory Rousseau as opposed to the 260-pound version. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and NHL seasons are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. They have real-time updated odds and props on almost anything that you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the new scores and odds, and it's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head on over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit when you use our promo code LOCKEDON. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, so Gregory Rousseau, I think we've painted a nice picture of him. Um, we want to talk about where we value him before we move on, or do you want to wait until we talk about all three guys? Yeah, maybe we'll stack, stack them, them at the end. Okay, yeah. cool. Again, different types of players. Um, want to do Quincy Roche next? Sure. I know you, you know, obviously you are the ACC area scout for the scouting department, so you know all these guys intimately well, but we have cross-checked all these guys, so I've had a chance to watch all three of these guys intimately as well, and um, Quincy, Quincy was really cool in that he was down in Miami, Fort Lauderdale, Weston, whatever you want to classify it as, right, Joe? Miami. Different subsections Miami. of South Florida, um, at House of Athlete, and he saw the logo and came over and he's like, Hey, you know, somebody from, from TDN texted me, uh, just want to let you know, like, I'm not ignoring your text, it's just been kind of a crazy couple days out here, so like. That was really cool to see somebody who's in his position and has a lot to focus on when he's there, even though he was not partaking in any of the events, to, to take the initiative, come over and say hello and introduce himself and reassure us that he was going to get back to, I believe it was Justin Mello who does the uh, draft networking interview series, uh, which is a, a great insight into some of the, the players and their stories. Um, so, Joe, I know you and I both definitely took note of something like that. Uh, because the, the, those little things and well, professionalism and Quin Quincy checked a nice box there with us. Yeah. So it's a great impression to leave uh, on somebody. And uh, yeah, he didn't have to do that. Went out of his way and, and, and you could tell he's got some good energy about him whenever you, you, yeah. you talk with him. So yeah. I appreciated that. So Quincy Roche was at Temple for three years, um, had a really nice career there. His, his final season in 2019, he was the AAC defensive player, of the year. He winds up leveling up. He goes to Miami for 2020. And obviously he didn't produce the same statistical output in Miami as he did in 19 at Temple. But I really did appreciate the way that he played and performed and how his game translated against a higher level of competition. Mm -hmm. I would call him a technician. You know, he's a guy that he's 6'3", 243. He's not the biggest pass rusher. But from a technique perspective, I think his pass rush acumen is really exciting. I think he has a variety of moves. I think he knows how to deploy them. And I simply think he knows how to beat blocks. He knows how to read a tackle set and knows how to effectively tackle them or, excuse me, attack them. So you, I don't think for an undersized pass rusher, you're not getting the, you know, overly explosive bendy dude off the edge, but you are getting a really technically refined guy in, in Rochette. So – as I kind of thought about where I would like Quincy, at least early on in his pro career, and, and the comp that we have, courtesy, I believe it is you, uh, is Shaq Barrett. Yeah. Um, 
with drafted in 2014 landed with the Denver Broncos in that draft class as a UDFA. Um, obviously now standout pass rusher, very, very rich man with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers yeah. with a contract extension that they just signed. So, but that kind of same evolution as a player is I think the ideal role that I'd like to see Quincy and his path when he gets to the NFL in which Shaq at first was a rotate rotational designated pass rusher. And it allowed him to do what he did well on a smaller scale and gradually put more and more on his plate until he became a kind of a, a priority on the free agent market. And then he, ends up going to Tampa Bay and has this big breakout year across from Jason Pierre-Paul. And I think he's capable of being a double-digit sack guy when you look at his traits and, and his acumen, but I don't think he's ready to come into the league and take 700, 800 snaps uh, as a football player. And, and that was kind of stemmed from – you talked about how well he attacked pass sets, but you watch him in other areas of the game – and I just think he needs to get a little bit more consistent as far as maintaining real estate, not giving up ground, not getting ridden beyond kind of his initial landmark or fit and blocks in the run game. And so I, th- I think early on, he's going to have to be more of a DPR, designated pass rush specialist. But I think in time, this is somebody who can be a starter for you. And our grade reflects that. Yeah, no question. And I don't think he's going to fit every scheme. You know, that's something else to keep in mind. I, I'm not sure the even front teams are going to look at him as a, you know, a guy that's going to put their hand in the dirt and, and rush all the time. But I think teams that are hybrid, teams that are 3-4, you know, they'll find some value in his skill set. And, you know, I, I'll ask you a question. Let me ask you this, and, and this, this might be just really crazy because we both love Aziz Ojolari from, from Georgia, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not going to sit here and say that, Roche is a is a consolation prize if you don't get Ojolari in the first round. But I do think right. you can you can maybe say, well, yeah, if we don't get Ojolari in the first round, that Roche is the type of player that we can get some of that in the third. Yeah, it, it's that you know diminishing returns for a player of the same mold. And when I watched Aziz Ojolari, I get like Dante Fowler vibes, and Dante Fowler was another player who started his career slow, even though he was drafted very highly by the Jacksonville Jaguars and has gradually and eventually become a three-down player that, that you know, earns a lot annually as, as a pass rusher. Um, so I can see the parallels there. I can see the, you know, Quincy's not 95 or 90% of Aziz Ojolari. He's probably 85% Aziz Ojolari, yeah. 80% Aziz Ojolari. And because he has the quickness that he has and because he has the hand counters that he has and he understands how to rush the passer, great. You know, that, that's, he's a little bit smaller. He's a little less long than Aziz and all those traits, you know, those things will mean Quincy has a lesser margin for error to have success anytime he attacks contact at first contact. Uh, so you're just banking on him either immediately transitioning flawlessly to the next level or uh, you understand that there's going to be more hit and miss, and therefore you're probably going to have to protect him a little bit more because he has less to fall back on as far as physical traits. We've been telling you about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market for a while now. Built Bar is that amazing low calorie, low sugar, high protein, 
high fiber, amazing tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on every single bar. And now it is a time to find out which Built Bar is the best. It is Built Bar Madness. And they're having a tournament with all the flavors to figure out which one is the best. Kyle, today's matchup, coconut, which is delicious, against birthday cake. Who are you voting for today? Birthday cake. Really? Yeah. I'm still in on the coconut flavors, and I think it's because I dismissed. Which is wild because you don't like coconut. I know. I know. I, I, and I, I maybe that it's, tells it's, you how good the bar is. Yeah, they are good. I, I've dis, I dismissed it for too long, and now I feel like I have to redeem myself, and I'm eating these coconut Built Bars left and right. If you want to vote, head on over to BuiltBar.com or find Built Bar on Twitter to vote for your choice. And remember, use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. That is LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order over at BuiltBar.com. So they have three good pass rushers over at Miami. And Jalen Phillips, former five-star recruit from UCLA, he transferred over this season. Well, a couple seasons ago. But in 2020, he realized his ceiling. He became the five-star recruit that UCLA thought they were getting. So, Kyle, I know you love Phillips. Let you set the table here on his skill set. He is a monster. Physically speaking, technically speaking, pass rush power speaking, he is a monster. <laughs> and I remember, you know, anytime we talk about Jalen Phillips, I talk about the time I went to Memphis and watched Memphis host UCLA in a late September game to the Liberty Bowl and was there to primarily watch Josh Rosen. And there was a lot of good talent on the field. But the number one player who I walked away from that game with an impact on was a freshman, true freshman, Jalen Phillips. I said, my goodness, this, this dude's a true freshman, and he looks like he could go play on the NFL tomorrow. And uh, he was the best player on the field, and he got banged up. And that was kind of the, the book on Jalen Phillips at UCLA. Ankle issues, wrist issues, concussion issues. He eventually retires, claims it's a medical retirement from football at UCLA. Uh, and then in 2019, transfers to Miami and red, takes the redshirt year and then comes back and uh, is, is in 2020, first half of the season showed a little bit of what I like to call ring rust, right? It took him a little bit to get his feet underneath of him. But you watch him physically and he has this innate ability to kind of disassociate his upper and lower halves. What I mean by that is, is you're capable of doing two completely different things, whether that's turning your shoulders to get skinny and reduce your surface area whilst simultaneously dipping the inside leg and tilting and leaning and rushing through or driving straight through lateral contact. And it allows him to work with his counters in a three-dimensional plane that makes him very difficult to square and frame as a rusher. And the production started to come throughout the second half of the season. He started finishing all these plays that he's flashing. And it's like, man, he's kicking this tackle's ass. Like (laughs) play after play after play, game after game after game. And then the production finally starts to come. So it's like, athletically speaking, you could tell he was a five-star recruit. He has everything you want. He has immense creativity as a pass rusher. The questions that teams are going to have are not pertaining to whether or not Jalen Phillips is going to fit into this style of scheme or that style of scheme, or if he's going to have to play with his hand in the dirt, or he's going to have to play in a two-point stand. Like, he can do all of it. 
the questions with Jalen Phillips were, tell us about your medical retirement. What prompted that decision? What prompted you to come back out? And then we have to actually assess your medical situation and make sure we're comfortable with what you have moving forward. I think you can rush standing up. I think you can rush with his hand in the dirt. And like you said, his creativity and, and uh, all the variety of, of rush moves at his disposal really enables him to win inside and outside as a pass rusher. Like he can, he can cross the face and beat tackles inside and he can beat them around their outside hip. And I think that that ability just poses a world of trouble for, for offensive tackles that, it, okay, you want to take away the inside move? All right, <laughs> he's going to beat you around the outside. And if you, don't, if you don't take away and set up those roadblocks up the arc, he's going to cross your face and, and get into that B-gap. So it's um, – And if you bail out the counter speed, he'll run right through your face too. Damn right he will. Right. Yep. He's just loose and flexible and, and he's just he, – and He's got it all. He's, he's absolutely got it all. Like what are you going to nitpick on his game on tape that maybe you wish his pads were lower at times? I mean, like we're talking real, real – nitpicky type stuff to poke poke holes in his game and, and you know for a guy that maybe you say he medically retired had some issues right from football all that type of stuff he plays like he loves the game I mean this guy's motor is cranked all yes. the time like, it, yeah. and that's something that I appreciate from his him as well so like maybe you, you you know this going into the watch and you're looking for like little clues that maybe he's you know packing it in in pursuit or you know he's he's not competing to get off blocks but nope it's that's not on tape it's not on his tape and and um man him and Roche it's a race to the quarterback we say that a lot of times but for those guys they probably them being together probably robbed each other of of some production like neither one of them had as good of a year as they could have because that other guy probably took away some of that uh, those 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 sacks just imagine if Rousseau had played and you put Greg in the A-gap in a one, you put Jalen in the B-gap in a four-I, and then you have Quincy in a two-point stand standing outside him all on one half side of the line of scrimmage. What are you going to do? Well, those, those <laughs> ACC offensive lines would have no answer. I mean, no. It, it, that's they, didn't, kinda, they didn't in most of the games they played anyway correct. without Greg Rousseau. Right. And so. Greg Rousseau, the year before when he played in 2019, had 15 and a half sacks and 19 and a half tackles for loss. So they didn't have an answer for him either. So how do you Such stack a them, fun Kyle? group. How do you stack um, them? If you remove the medical questions, and, and I don't have access to his medicals, so I really can't. Um, Jalen Phillips is tied for the highest-graded defensive player in the 2021 NFL draft for me. That. He's, he's that good. He, and I, I don't have to worry about the medicals, so right. I can't pretend like I know anything about them. So right. I'm just going to grade him on the same. I'm going to acknowledge that those issues exist, but I'm going to grade him on the information that I have access to. And the information that I have access to is that he checks more boxes at his respective position, and he plays a more high-impact position than Micah Parsons does. Spicy. So we both have Phillips as one. I, I don't have You're not the there same, yet. No, I don't have the same praise that you do. And I, and I probably, you've probably done a better job of uh, not letting those things creep in to your evaluation. So I, I give you credit for that. He, he's still a guy that, I mean, he's of this group. I have him as the highest graded player by a decent amount. After that, 
I have Gregory Rousseau and then Quincy Roche. That's how I have him. I also have Gregory Rousseau at two. Um, I have a first round grade on Gregory Rousseau, which I believe you do not. Don't want to put words in your mouth. But That's right. Yeah, I don't. Okay. I have him as a mid two. And then Quincy Roche for me is a fringe two, three, as far as a grade. That's where I have me as well. And here's where I'm at with Rousseau. I, I think, I think in our discussion, you, you heard all the good things and, and some of the concerns. For me with Rousseau, I just don't know what I'm getting in year one. You know, I, I don't know if if it's going to take a year or two of seasoning for me to get the first round return. So I, I recognize that when we look back at this draft in three or four years, Rousseau could stand out as one of the biggest steals. I'm just not sure this year, 2021, I'm going to be getting a whole lot of him. Well, I think he's the most high-variance player of the three. Yeah, that's fair. Because, you know, what if he goes somewhere that wants him to play at 260? Playing a wide nine scheme and you're going to play him at defensive end. You know, you can't oh, do that with him. That'd be please. a disaster for him. So that, that kind of comes back to when you're doing draft evaluation, it really is just as much before the draft, tell me what a player can and can't do and kind of assess their respective risk across all 32 potential landing spots. And then after the draft, tell me what he's actually going to be because you, you know what he's going to be asked to do. You can anticipate what the vision's going to be. You can kind of see the writing on the wall for teams that have some stability and maybe that sets him up for failure. So Gregory Rousseau is the one that I feel most specifically is going to be landing spot dependent and is going to be more so at the mercy, regardless of how hard he works. And we've, we've heard nothing you know, negative about Gregory Rousseau as a person or an individual from a work ethic perspective or off the field. But it's like he could do everything right and it could still not work out because if a team doesn't have the proper plan for him, that could materialize. I think you make a good point there. And I don't think that teams often have a hard time figuring out what a guy can and can't do. I think where there becomes issues is when they – don't apply that to what they ask him to do, right? They right. still try to force, you know, round pegs into square holes and, and guys are not going to be able to play to their best because they are asked to do things that don't reveal the best version of themselves. And I, not to go off on a tangent, but I think when I consider Andy Reid, when I consider Bill Belichick, those, it, it's, they do such a good job of that. Not only identifying the traits, but then applying it to how they use the player to get the most out of him. And I don't think everybody can do that very well. Did you get a chance to see Buster Broken with Trevor and myself on uh, Deion Jordan? I, I listened to the first maybe 10 minutes or so, and then, you know, that so duty came up. That, and, that's, another, that's another great example of a player who did certain things in college and got drafted with very little vision because there was a – disconnect between the front office and the coaching staff yep. and some friction there. Uh, so those kind of office politics can be something that can impact a guy like Gregory Rousseau too. Whereas Jalen Phillips, I feel like he can play in any kind of scheme and he's going to be an outside rusher who on third downs, you know, if you got a NASCAR package, you can kick him down in the B gap and he's going to kick a, an offensive guards butt there too. Quincy Roche, you know, you're probably not going to give him a full-time role right off the bat, but these are three top 100 players. And, and what, I would love to see somebody do is do a mock draft in which you draft all three. <sighs> I think the only way that happens though, is if you're a TDM premium member, 
That's and, right. And uh, you facilitate some trades in the mock draft simulator. Uh, please do not mistake TDM Premium for just trades in the mock draft simulator, though. You get trade-by-trade analysis on up to 400 prospects. Uh, we've been grinding the tape on these guys since the summertime, and it gives you a really good, comprehensive look at the players and talking about things they do and things they don't. You get access to the, the expert form on which you and thousand other football fans can talk football every day with us interacting with you in there. Uh, and plus obviously trades in the mock draft simulator. So uh, if you're looking to be the best version of yourself as a draft Nick and draft fan this off season, kindly consider TDM premium, check it out. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't definitely want to see somebody put together a mock draft in which they managed to land all three of these Miami pass rushers in the same hall. Kyle, you mentioned office politics and having a plan for players. And, and I think the more or the longer I've been in this line of work, the more I am able to dig into misses in the past, not necessarily by me, but by teams. And you can connect those dots so many different times mm-hmm. to teams not having that plan or the coaching staff having a certain vision for a player and, and the, the scouting staff or the front office not necessarily having that same alignment. I've been listening to a lot of different podcasts lately where they're talking about why they, you know, they're having executives and stuff. Why did you pick this player? And so many times it's like, well, I really like this one, but the coaching staff didn't agree, but we, and we found the most common ground on this player and that's why we took them. And and like that alignment piece is so critical. And we're sitting over here, we're just watching college tape, putting information together, writing reports. What happens after they're drafted? You know, it's, is that that's is gonna so tell critical. the story. And it's yeah. like, dude, you don't you don't get drafted in the first round by not being talented, mm-hmm. right? Like, there's nobody who's ever, maybe not nobody, but ninety nine point nine 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 percent of first round picks in the history of the NFL were talented players that got drafted there. So, like, everybody's talented. There's other extenuating circumstances, whether that's self inflicted. Yeah. By players like Isaiah Wilson, right. uh, who are really struggling with the professionalism and, and you know, learning how to quote unquote be a pro. And I'm sure there's people who roll their eyes at those kinds of cliches, but like, yeah, yeah they matter. Right. Just like everybody being quote unquote on the same page and team culture and rowing the boat together. Yeah. From front office and coaching staff, people will roll their eyes at that dynamic, the people dynamic of the league. But like, yeah, that's a factor too. So that, that, that like you said, the longer we've been in this space, the more stories we hear, the more educated we become, the more well-connected we become and kind of talk about some of these stories, the more fascinating it is. But like, the more you realize that is the, the story behind the story on a lot of these players because they're all physically talented. And these, this Miami trio of pass rushers, these, these are all three guys that we have in the top 80 of the TDM 100. All talented dudes. Law of averages says one of them's not going to work out at least. Which one that is might be by their doing and their hand, or it might be somebody else's. Right. Three Hopefully it's not players. the case. Hopefully right. it's not the case. But three great players, and, and uh, we hope you guys enjoyed this deep dive into this trio of Miami Hurricanes players. Uh, we have a live stream tonight, youtube.com, the draft network, 7 30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Chris, Joe, and myself back with another uh, rousing round of Panini roulette team-specific mock drafts, which we've been having a lot of fun with. And then on Thursday, we have another live stream. And then, of course, you have four more shows of the Draft Dudes podcast this week. So hit subscribe, follow along. Kyle Krabs, Joe Marino, Chris Schubert, thanks, as always, for listening. We hope to talk to you guys again soon.